Welcome to a new episode of Baxter's Connecting Care Podcast. I'm Javier Morales from Baxter, and today we'll talk about the importance of an early mobilization protocol in intensive care units. To do this, we are joined by Dr. Monica Magret, intensivist at Hospital Juan 23 in Tarragona, and David Moya, physiotherapist of the unit. Welcome, Dr. Magret. Welcome, David Moya. Before we start, I want to thank you for your participation in today's episode. Looking at your CVs and experience, there is no doubt that you are two experts and advocates of early mobilization. Please, can you tell us more about your work? Yes, I am, as you have already mentioned, an intensive care physician in the ICU of the Juan 23 Hospital in Tarragona. And in recent years, I have focused my efforts, above all, on the physical recovery of critically ill patients, together with my colleague, David Moya. I am a physiotherapist, and I also work in this hospital, and together with Dr. Magret and the rest of the team, in recent years, we have been working on a project of early mobilization. Thank you very much. Can you describe to us what your early mobilization protocol consists of? Yes. Reviewing the relevant literature, an expert consensus had recently emerged, which explained and specified which patients could be mobilized and in which situations. So that article served as a basis for the design of our protocol. Our protocol has inclusion criteria, which were initially stricter, firstly because of the little evidence available, and then due to the lack of physiotherapists we had at that time. And besides these inclusion criteria, which as I mentioned were initially strict, we also have clinical stability criteria, meaning that the patient may be mobilized when he or she meets the necessary conditions. Subsequently, the protocol consists of five levels, which my colleague is going to comment on shortly. And there are also protocol interruption criteria, which means that if a patient who is included in the protocol presents a complication in the ICU, the protocol is interrupted and subsequently reassessed. Well, as Monica said, our protocol is composed of five levels. During the first, we work with an unconscious patient. He or she is sedated, and all the work we do on these patients is completely passive. Mobilization of legs and arms, uh, including the exercises related to mechanical ventilation and respiratory physiotherapy. In the second level, the patient is already awake. Sometimes they are able to collaborate, other times they are not able to collaborate, and mobilization can be passive, active, or assisted. Both in level one and in level two, we always sat sitting, uh, even in bed. This is very important and brings many benefits to our patients. And then we would go to level three. When the patient has enough strength or capacity to tolerate sitting, we begin what we define as a track control in bed in order to get our patients out of bed on the chairs. Um, then level four, we reach this level when the patient is already able to stand up. This can happen in several ways. Uh, they may need more or less help. If the patient needs a lot of help, we use mobile lifts with slings or other required equipments. Other times, patients do not need as much assistance and are able to stand with little support. And finally, uh, during level five, the patient begins to work on walking, following the same principle as in level four. Depending on their capabilities, they may 
require more or less support. The objective, uh, well, is always to normalize, getting them out of bed, training them to sit and stand, and reaching the final goal, namely to walk. Very good. Thank you very much. I wanted to ask you, do families participate in your protocol and how do they do it? Well, uh, yes, family support is very important. I think that opening your eyes and having your family there is something very important. It may be difficult to know when certain patients will be more awake and, above all, alert. So we believe that family support is very important from day one. And we have always tried to get them to collaborate. They may be more or less uh, available, but at the level of rehabilitation, we have always educated families. This is because, as Dr. Magret mentioned, with three hours per day at the beginning, it was difficult to provide uh, the patients with the necessary attention. In this context, uh, the family is particularly important as they can be instructed to perform many exercises that benefit the patient and that help us speed up the levels that we have previously mentioned. Yes, uh, it is true that there has been a before and an after. We had some ideas, some projects we were working on, but COVID struck us and everything stopped. Uh, visits were suspended, doors closed, and little by little we have made some progress Families are allowed inside the, the ICUs again. We used to be an open-door ICU, meaning that the patient could be with their family all day. And recently, we have been working on involving families, creating what we call family training to educate families on particular aspects of nursing, physiotherapy, or medicine. And, well, the objective is always the same speeding up and improving the process. Very good. Following on what you said, in terms of development, there are external factors such as COVID, but how would you assess the development of the protocol? Could you explain a bit where you come from and where you're going? After a year and a half of experience, we did an internal analysis of the patients who had entered the early mobilization protocol, and we compared them with a control group that had not been mobilized. And when analyzing the data, we saw that the patients included in the early mobilization protocol spent fewer days ventilated, fewer days in the hospital, and fewer days in the ICU. But above all, what we saw is that fewer patients were discharged to a social health service. The patients were discharged home. This meant that the early mobilization protocol gave patients more autonomy. So thanks to this data, we were able to get additional hours of physiotherapy in the ICU in turn allowing us to make the inclusion criteria more extensive. As with everything, there are also difficulties. What barriers have you encountered when implementing this kind of protocol? We conducted a survey a few months after starting the early mobilization protocol, and the issue that most concerned our colleagues was the availability of nursing staff, the workload that it entailed, as well as the safety of the patient. After a few years, we took the survey again. And we were surprised, because the main deficit found by the colleagues was the lack of physiotherapists. This meant that we had already achieved this change in culture. People were no longer so afraid of mobilizing the patient, and they were beginning to encounter different barriers, such as 
I cannot mobilize the patient because he is very sedated. I cannot mobilize the patient because he is very unstable. Over the years, we achieved a change of culture. Moreover, thanks to the service's clinical information system, we carried out an analysis of the adherence to the protocol over three years. And we saw that adherence to the protocol was high, almost 72%. But the patients were only mobilized during a third of their stay. When trying to analyze why the patients were not mobilized, we realized that one of the main barriers was the instability criteria, the lack of physiotherapists, especially on weekends, and the fact that the patients were heavily sedated. So thanks to our experience, we were able to be a little more flexible with the clinical stability criteria, and we are now able to customize the early mobilization protocol for each patient. We have obtained more hours for physiotherapy and optimized the sedation protocol so as to awaken the patients as soon as possible in order to start the protocol. And as Monica says, we started with three hours, as we mentioned earlier, then they became seven hours, and today patients benefit from physiotherapy from Monday to Saturday. We are now also able to work with patients morning and afternoon, which is very important. So little by little, we got where, where we needed to be. Very well. Thank you very much. You have mentioned various factors how the early mobilization protocol has helped patients. You have talked about less days of mechanical ventilation. Can you emphasize something else or provide a summary of the main benefits brought to patients by the early mobilization protocol? Well, at the physio level, we consider the role of physiotherapy in critical care units to be crucial today. And we saw clearly that the work on the ward of those patients who had previously been discharged from the ICU, and these were patients with a high burden because obviously the deterioration was global. Yes. Analyzing the work that you presented, we saw that 50% of the patients that we discharged from the ICU either stood up or walked independently. This was very different before implementing the protocol. Patients who arrive on the ward are now much more autonomous, with a much lower care load. There is the testimony of our patient, Joseph, who spent 47 days in the ICU, and only two days in the ward. This was unthinkable before the early mobilization protocol. Regarding security, what is the perception of establishing an early mobilization protocol? Well, as Dr. McGrath mentioned earlier, in the surveys we did with the staff, security emerged as one of the aspects that concerned us the most. Uh, mobilizing a patient with so many devices, with a ventilator and everything else. Actually, uh, having evaluated several studies over the years, we saw that adverse events are minimal and we do not consider any of them to have been serious. Um, it is very important to rely on data because when something new is implemented, uh, especially with these kinds of patients, it must be taken into account. But all considered, we are convinced, and the numbers speak clearly, that early mobilization is safe at this time. Yes. As David said, from the start, we established a clinical information system where we record the activity of the physiotherapists daily and we log all the adverse events. And from time to time, we do an internal analysis, and we see that, in our case, the incidence of adverse events is very low. And we can say that early mobilization is safe. 
Yes, it is true that a few recent studies appear to indicate the opposite, but I believe that when you properly adapt the early mobilization protocol in terms of intensity and duration of treatment, I believe that we can say that the protocol is safe. It is worth stating again. Very interesting, really. During the conversation, I understand that this is an ongoing process, right? From when you started until now, what is the satisfaction of the staff regarding the early mobilization protocol? Since we started, as mentioned, this has been a multidisciplinary protocol. Every member of staff is involved, and they are also involved on a daily basis. In other words, everyday doctors, nurses, and physiotherapists witness the evolution of the patient. And this is very satisfying, because all the people involved are able to see firsthand that early mobilization works. Very good. Very interesting. We know that your hospital is highly committed to technology. How does connectivity help to improve the early mobilization protocol? We have a clinical information system in which all the data is uploaded, from the bed, the monitors, the ventilators, the pumps, etc. Especially during the first levels of the protocol, this connectivity allows us to monitor the exact position of the patient in the bed, the postural changes, how long these postural changes last, and we can also monitor the elevation of the head of the bed at 70 degrees, which is one of the important steps within the first levels of the early mobilization protocol. Very interesting, really. And what do you think could be the involvement of governments, health systems, and industry? I think there are three key points. The first is to spread awareness about early mobilization, as we are doing in this podcast. Second, I believe that a change of mentality is needed when it comes to early mobilization and invest efforts not only in saving the lives of patients, but also in their recovery, both personal efforts and material resources. And finally, I think it would be very useful for us to monitor more closely the early mobilization of patients using sensors in an ICU. Thank you very much. It has been very interesting, and I think we have all learned a lot about the early mobilization protocol. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much for joining us once again. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode.